Hey guys, it's Sophia and Nisha, and welcome to the second episode of season two of My Brother's Friend. This week, we have another guest from Cape Town. Her name is Renee Rousseau, and she is a painter and a former architect with a ton of different interests, such as medicine, education, and she puts all of these interests into her paintings, which are beautiful. So in this episode, she talks to us about architecture in the 20 and 21st centuries, taking the time to develop your personal style as a creative, and the importance of perseverance in life and your career. Be sure to listen to the full episode and enjoy. Hi, Sophia. Hi, Nisha. Thank you so, so much. It's so exciting to be checking in from Cape Town all the way to the United States. Well, why don't we why don't we get started with you telling us, first of all, about yourself and how you even um, got into art? Yes. I mean, I've always loved drawing, so I think that's just sort of something that you know, I always did art at school. I was the cartoonist of the school newspaper in primary school, in high school, at university. And I had a really, so I had a really strong affinity for graphics and especially cartoons basically all my life. Um, n- never thinking I would become an artist or in any, in any way. I was kind of in between medicine and architecture most of my high school, most of my high school education. Um, and I was kind of very convinced of both. So it was a, re- a very difficult decision for me. I kind of just took a gamble, got accepted to architecture first and just went with it and absolutely fell in love with it. Within, within a month, I threw my heart, body and soul into my architectural studies for, you know, a long time. Didn't sleep, drank coffee, you know, I did the whole thing. <laughs> And then something started happening during architecture school where I felt that I needed more freedom. And so kind of me and two friends, we started this kind of ad hoc urban initiative where we would just do random pop-up guerrilla art projects, one of them, and take photos of the city. So it was very urban focused. And so what then happened is the three of us decided to enter the, the emerging creatives at the Design in Daba. And we were about 21, 22 we we just got exposed to the bigger Cape Town creative scene, all three of us. And it's me and two twin boys who I'm still very, very, very good friends with. And it introduced me to some of the bigger players in the creative industry who would later then, for example, ask me to be part of the IKEA project. So already then it was like a little, ooh, this is a world I want to be a part in. Went back to architecture school, you know, was quite committed but I saw something else and I could never be as committed ever again. Then in my sixth year I took a chance, I saw an ad on the internet, on Facebook actually, about the European Design Labs which is in Spain and I'd been admiring two or three Spanish artists and designers for a few years so I had this sort of real attraction to Spain and they only selected 13 students so I on the side of my doing my master's made a portfolio sent it in and got accepted and I was like oh fuck (laughs) it was really hard to finish my master's with the excitement of going to Spain basically within six months time but I finished my master's and I'm really I was really proud of the project my whole architecture schooling I was very focused on schools and education I always still to this day am very passionate about it um went to Spain at that point only thinking I was a cartoonist like had no idea that I would paint anything like this the educational environment in Spain was very different to anything that I'd experienced in South Africa 
it wasn't studying architecture everywhere in the world is very critical you know it's just it has to be because it's actually quite a serious practice so they kind of critique 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 you so that you can become strong whereas in spain they did completely the opposite they only took what they liked and then they nurtured and boosted that and in that process of doing that you know i had very little because obviously i was abroad and i had my backpack my little bag and i kind of sort of Interestingly enough, from Spain, started looking at who I really was as a South African. Wasn't able to reflect on that here, funny enough, but had an opportunity to really go into the buildings of South Africa that I really love, the patterns that I really love, the colors, the kind of urban chaos. And then I started drawing that. And from those drawings, it kind of started looking abstract. And then I abstracted it even more. Until the end of that year, I was designing patterns because the process unfolded in that way. I was very excited to discover this part of my creativity that I wasn't aware of before. But I'm also, you know, I think I'm like about probably 10 years, a little bit more older than you guys. You know, I'm, I'm from the 80s. Like it was very primary colors, very Lego, you know, it's very, it's very geometric. So I also had that kind of as part of my visual identity really came back I was 24 I came back to South Africa and I thought you know I'm gonna be a, a designer now opened my own studio within 10 months I was broke I had a lot of ideas but I was too young to really manage myself in an efficient way to make money I, I knew nothing about making money and so I went back to architecture until I was about 30. Again, loved it, but it wasn't creative enough for me. So in 2014, one of my bosses at the company realized that I was doing art on the side. And I literally mean just sketches. I was kind of building this kind of sketchbook portfolio. And he had a friend, um, Shaw Besaidenot, who has a gallery in Cape Town called World Art. And my boss actually took my work to him. And that guy gave me my first solo exhibition. So, so pretty much went from like, nothing to my first show it was just a sign to me how the people engaged with the work that people bought the the art it was a sign that i had to keep doing it but i still finished my architectural professional accreditation which you do in in practice and then when i was about 30 i couldn't keep up with the demand of the art anymore so i had to make a call and i chose art and since then, it's just been a very difficult, but incredibly beautiful journey and very soul, very soul fulfilling. It's really been a soul journey, to be honest, or a journey of the heart, really. And I loved architecture because I love problem solving and all of that stuff. But this just, this just feels more aligned. Yeah. Do you think, well, th that's awesome, first of all. And I'm so happy that you've got, gotten that opportunity to kind of like fulfill your passions and your heart. What do you think is the most challenging part of to say being an artist? I mean, there's, there's sort of various areas of struggle. There are personal struggles of learning to manage yourself, self-worth and keeping going every day, no matter what, just saying that this is what I believe in and sticking to it. So it's there's a lot of perseverance. So there's just a lot of that in involved. I mean, it's like any kind of journey that you're on, you sometimes don't have the motivation, but you have to get yourself up. You know, whether you're a professional sports person, like it, anything requires that kind of determination and kind of deep-seated uh, intuitive trust that this is what you're supposed to be doing in spite of not believing in yourself. Or for example, if you didn't come from art school directly, you don't enter into the art scene like the art students. You have to prove your reputation, really. 
you know, in, in Cape Town, we've got this really good art school. The students leave there, they're about 24, 25, and the whole world is watching them. And they almost immediately get propelled into professional careers because of the school that they go to. Whereas for me, it's been about a very a slower journey, and I'm, I'm very grateful for that because it's given me less pressure to develop my work. Um, and my mom always likes to say, well, if you want to grow tall as a tree, you've got to go get your roots really deep. So that's kind of like my philosophy with this. So I think that's the personal struggles. Financial struggles is very real. You know, going from an architectural salary where I had no stress. I was going overseas twice a year. All of a sudden having to cut my medical aid, you know, stuff like that. And then building myself up slowly to, again, now living in my own flat. So it's it's like small things like that, which doesn't seem big but in your day-to-day you know it does actually it's hard it's really hard yeah but I'm I'm super fortunate to have a strong community here and Cape Town is very supportive of me and South Africa really so that's also incredibly encouraging I'm really curious about how like your architecture background and also your time in Spain I'm sure there's so many things that inspire your art but what are like any, any main themes that you can point out so, so firstly, I think one of the most important things that I want to say about that is that inspiration changes. And my inspiration was urban mishaps, walking around any city and going like, oh, what is that? What is that? What is that weird tile that's popping out there? That wall is broken. Somebody painted it red. And just kind of like, I'm quite light sensitive. So I've got a very strong sense of contrast. And so colors really pop out to me. I'm, I'm always noticing in them. And sometimes I even like want to take a break from color, you know. I think up until about 32, that was what I was busy with, you know. Um, so it was definitely like urban mishaps. You know, Cape Town is very cut and pasty. I developed some parts. You know, some parts are also very rigid. I think my biggest influences for a long time was the architects that I admired as an architectural student because I always admired the more sculptural architects like Oscar Niemeyer, Alvaro Cesar, Le Corbusier, who kind of, if you think about architecture as giant ceramics, that's kind of how they were because the 20th century lent itself to more sculptural architecture. You know, we're not so show-offy in the 21st century. You know, we, we need to think of the environment. You know, there's lots of things to worry about. It's a very stressful century. I think the, there's no place for ego architecture anymore. Or it's minimizing fast. But, you know, obviously with the, the structures of the old companies, they're still very much stuck in that kind of system, which is what frustrated me about architecture as a profession a lot. So that was my inspiration for a long time. Was I've, I've been drawing 3D all my life. I started drawing 3D at about four years old. So I was always a space person. I was obsessed with drawing hospitals and plans of hospitals and thinking and imagining spaces. And the last three or four years, my inspiration has predominantly been animals and nature. It's just, it's just what I'm drawn to and I, I kind of just follow my gut, you know. So I'm actually working mostly organically now. They're kind of starting to really like merge. Actually, interestingly enough, the organic and the geometric are now kind of coming together. This is like super interesting to me because um, you said you were kind of in between medicine and architecture when you were first going into university. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you were talking about how you really enjoyed drawing sketches for hospitals and things like that. So totally. I think it's just quite interesting how you're combining a bunch of your, your interests and, and passions and things like that. But I'm also very curious how these courses you've taken, medicine and the arts, and then a couple of business courses and things. Yes. So I'm just 
wondering how taking a bunch of these different courses and different um, areas of study, different fields has kind of shaped your work as a whole and changed your perspective, maybe, if it has. I think it's a very important question. I think having a keen sense of not business as in how to run a business, but I think there is a lot about being an artist, which is about managing a system that works for you, where you can create space to create, but also be professional and not be like a lazy person that, you know, does nothing and like cries all day. You must cry your emotions out onto the canvas, even though I cry all the time. (laughs) That never never stops me from, from working. So I think doing the business courses helped me to do two things, which is one, realize how important brand identity is. And in terms of like really being very sure of what your kind of your message is or what you present to the world. And that's got to be something that's very sustainable. It has to be really true to you. You can't fake that because if it's not sustainable, it's going to fall away. So taking your time as any creative to figure out who you really are is vital for success, I think. And it's one of the first things that you should do if you want to become a creative person. It's going like, what is my manifesto? It doesn't have to be expressed in words. It can be expressed visually, but it's like the same when you grow up and you're like, who am I? This is the same for your art. You're like, what is your art? What is it that you really, what is it that you really want to express? Which of course changes with time as well, a little bit, but taking time to develop that. And a lot of that is about, you get approached with projects all the time. And it's also about what you say no to, because you'll get stuff that doesn't fit in your, in your vibe. And if you, if you don't say no, it's going to detract from your, from your journey. So that's something I learned very early on. I was about 26, 27 when I did my first business acumen for artist course with an incredible facilitator, Elaine Rumble. And she's a a very experienced play practitioner. So she invites play into process. Uh, Yeah, I just really like at that time I launched myself as the South African Pattern Lab. And I, I almost immediately got success because I was so well branded, really. And then later on, I did advanced creative entrepreneurship which was more about pausing and checking in with your journey and going like, are you on the right path? And what are all the tools that you need? And so there I kind of started developing this, bringing in my history of being really interested in children and education. I started bringing the idea of teaching again. And so now that was about three years ago that I wanted to teach and make a space for children. And now this year I finally launched that. So a lot of the ideas get birthed at these courses. So with the medicine and the arts course, I mean, I am a little bit too obsessed with medicine. You know, I watch all the medicine. I watch House eight times, this whole series. I love House. I read books about conscious medicine, all these things. I mean, sometimes it's like, it's my heart. It's now like a very weird hobby, you know. (laughs) Um, And my poor parents get so much health advice. (laughs) But it's been, that's been a difficult one for me to bring into my work because it's much it's much further right i was lucky enough to work on a children's hospital while i was an architect and that was very useful but this course in particular is about the importance of storytelling in healing and you know for a lot of people they can't express themselves with words so they have to express themselves through music and visuals and it's about how you can as an artist or as any person that's working in the creative field help people to do that Um, but i'm still i'm actually haven't finished that course it's still in process 
just going off of what you said about how you kind of have to like pick and choose what projects you take because you have this certain like brand, this certain vibe. How do you change your approach based on like the medium that you're working with? Okay, that's a very good and quite difficult question. So firstly, I just want to touch base on the fact that in Spain, knowing kind of figuring out who I was as an artist and then doing that business course, kind of reaffirming who I was. So I went into all of these collaborations with a visual style that I was passionate about. So if someone approaches you for work and you kind of know what you can offer, you can only offer them that. You don't try to be something that you're not. They must then go to work with someone else. So they come to you because they specifically want something that you are offering. And so you need to know what it is that you're offering. So I think that's the, the baseline of these collaborations. How I adapt my work is very much up to the, it's a collaboration, right? So it's like, it might be easier to actually think of examples because I just want to also say again that I went from architect to designer to artist. So there was a process of learning how to adapt to different mediums that actually happened over a few years. And even though it looks like I did it like this, it didn't actually, it was more linear. So I really got to know the South African design scene in a very short period of time, even before I uh, really went into the art scene, which I'm only getting really, I'm only starting to kind of really get into the art scene. It's very uh, difficult, actually. It's not tangible. For example, one of the first projects that I did with collaborations, Mr. Price, it's a South African home brand. They kind of give you a brief. You apply something to what you find a feel. Yeah, I need to love the brand first. Like I, I want to I wanna love their message. Just go with a gut feel there if it's going to be a good partnership. And that is kind of like by talking to people, also following the brands. I try my best to work with people that I already believe in. Um, so once they approach me, it's not so difficult to say yes or no to that. The Something Good Studio, I did the Packle Gaudi with, Romaria. You know, the woman who runs that is very pro-empowering women, empowering South African women creatives. The first project that she did, she left a job, she took a risk, and she was like, I want to empower South African craftspeople and, South, and female South African designers. Do you want to be one of my first people? Listen. This is what I want to do. Are you on board? I really like this and this and this of your work. Can we work with it? And then you pitch something and they save something back. And you pitch something and they say something back. So it's a, co it's a collab. You don't always like what they give you back, but you always have to remember that it's a 50-50. So you do compromise a lot. That's definitely a part of the process. Occasionally I take risks. Like with IKEA, I actually presented a drawing, an artwork of mine, um, which was based on the African elephant and they got excited about it because it was different, you know, to just design. And so they said, what if we turn this into a fabric? And then I wanted to really work with another South African designer. They teamed us up, so we kind of collabed together. It was a beautiful process working with her, Sandisa Kamalo. She's a, another South African textile designer. And she also studied architecture. So we just clicked, like, from the get-go. She was very heavily pregnant, and yeah, it was just a fun process. So I don't think it's something that you plan too much. It actually comes quite easily. But it's very important to, to be very honest with the people that you work with. Like, when you, when you don't like what they do with your work, because that's the thing about collabs, is they're going to cut and paste your work, right? And you got to go like, listen, I think I'm not happy with this entirely. Let's work on it more. I always ask myself, is this something I want? And if the answer is no, I just say, this is not desirable. You've got to be able to be quite critical of your own work, which I think is something that you learn in architecture school very naturally. 
it's harder with art to be critical because it it's more like vomiting up feelings you know yeah one of my friend friends paints and she says that she never feels satisfied with her work and there's always something more that she could do and always something more that she can add so what is that process like I guess like from you know your initial idea to like the actual execution and then deciding when it's finished like what is that like for you are you like a a serious perfectionist or you kind of know when it's done and you leave it at that you know I think I am a perfectionist but I suppressed it (laughs) for a long time because I wasn't in the right industry to be. You can't be a perfectionist in the design industry in South Africa. There's too many inconsistencies. Uh, we don't have a very strong manufacturing sector. So you, your stuff is just not world quality. So you, you kind of, you accept the reality because you want to work in South Africa and you want to contribute here, you know. But now that I'm like almost completely only doing art, I'm becoming a perfectionist very quickly. <laughs> Whereas I find like if I make one brushstroke error, I'm mortified that I didn't focus for one millisecond. There is like this little going like, oh no, I have to do it over. So that process, it's almost like you take it very seriously in the, in the making. And I think that's a good thing. I think you have to produce quality work, but you're your own, you know, your own critic. I don't ever know exactly when to stop, but I just in me know there's a feeling that goes like, oh, you might fuck it up now maybe step away and then you look at it and I've always find the strategy of looking at it the next day again if you're not sure looking at it so that process can take you know a day or two or three years or six years so you know I've, I've sat on works for a long time before I kind of feel like it's ready how the process starts that's quite a difficult question because it can start in a lot of different places sometimes it starts immediately on the canvas Sometimes it starts as a rough idea in a sketchbook. Sometimes I wake up with an idea, a visual idea. I'll wake up with something visual and I try to capture that. I get a lot from traveling and taking holiday. I just feel like that's very important for for me personally. I will have probably two very creative spurts a year where I just need to go and sit and draw. And then all the work will be inspired from that period. So it's it's like building a little library and then for six months, you can work from your, li- your own little library. Um, and then you're like, oh, I'm done with this. And then something in the air comes and you inspire it again. And, but those periods are a little bit shorter. When I first started doing art, I only got about two, three weeks a year where I was inspired. And then the rest of the time, I just produced. And now it's happening more and more. The inspiration is coming more easily. And I think that comes from personal growth and personal commitment. I mean, my own sort of school of thought is that... You can block yourself very easily with your own fears and you've got to learn how to step aside from that so that you're very open and creative and it's kind of like and sometimes I think yoga and art is very similar. If you guys do yoga, well, you know, and sometimes you have like a really bad practice or and then sometimes you have a really like easy flowy practice. Art can be a lot like that, but sometimes you just have to do it. You've just got to you, and that's the thing that's hard is learning how to show up all the time. So consistency is huge. Perseverance. It's really, 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 I think, an underestimatedly important quality because there's so many times that you you want to give up. So much time that you spend alone. And you've got to learn how to manage that as well, which is a personal part of the process. Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to touch on the South African art scene that um, you kind of had mentioned a little bit about um, earlier. And you said two things that kind of stuck out to me. One, that you were finding it, it's very difficult to kind of like penetrate the South African 
art scene. And then the second one was that, like, as a South African South African artist, it's actually kind of difficult to expand beyond South Africa or maybe into like the global ecosystem. I don't, I'm not sure if that's exactly what you meant, but no, that's definitely true. So definitely, um, you have Southern tip of the world syndrome down here, you know, where you're alone. <laughs> and I think also there's a couple of things which influence that. Definitely South Africa's history um, with apartheid and being, you know, the world giving sanctions and not interacting with South Africa. So that's got probably got a part of it to do with it. Secondly, you are really far from everything else. So thinking far is expensive. Like for me to export anything is the same price as what it costs. It's very difficult to sell your work overseas unless you are a very, 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 very established artist. Which, you know, you don't know when that's going to happen. So with design projects, it's much, e- much easier to collaborate with overseas. Do you draw from certain, like, painters or illustrators or artists in general? I don't actually look at other artists. I don't want to be inspired in that way. I'm kind of scared of that process of, of inspiration because it's very important for me to try and be original. I do think that my style is influenced by the architects that I admired who we were kind of mid-century architects of the last century because I was obsessed with them for six years while studying. And you know why you're studying? Because you guys are studying. When you're studying, you get very deep into something, right? Like it's not like real life where you just kind of flow between subjects. And I think spending so much time with those architects and their buildings uh, is the, was the biggest impact on my work for sure. And probably Lego, growing up with just playing playing Lego until I was 18. Yeah. Yeah, it was embarrassing. Well, thank you so much. It was so great to talk to you and hear about your work. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. I'll be watching you guys. And that concludes this week's episode. Thank you to Renee for being on the podcast and being such an incredible guest. Yeah, thank you for sharing your journey and all the ups and downs of being an architect and then now a painter and how you've really developed your style and your aesthetic. We really appreciated that. Be sure to go check out Renee's work. We'll link all of that in the podcast description. Be sure to check out mybrothersfriend.com where we have a podcast archive of all of our episodes, a list of brands that we love, and blog posts written by us. Thank you guys for listening and stay tuned for the next episode.